And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Go, man. Tear it off, dude. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, this journey of the 2020 season will technically end in 2021 when the 49ers and the Seahawks square off on Sunday. It's the regular season and the season finale for the 49ers who are not playoff bound this year. And because of that, it's better to talk about big picture stuff. So we'll circle back around to our 49ers Seahawks predictions. But guys, the news of the week is Kyle Shanahan talking about the future of 49ers quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo. And Kyle Shanahan echoed exactly, I think, what we've been saying on this podcast for weeks, that it's not easy to replace an efficient starting quarterback in this National Football League. And without a quarterback, you are nothing in the modern NFL. So Kyle Shanahan does expect Jimmy Garoppolo to be back as the 49ers quarterback in 2021. Garoppolo still under contract for two more years. And Kyle Shanahan also pointed out another point that we've made on this podcast, that Jimmy Garoppolo is actually not making an exorbitant amount of money anymore because he's been surpassed by 12 other quarterbacks on the list since he uh, signed his contract in 2018. So Kyle Shanahan said you can't rule anything out, but unless something much better falls into our laps, which is going to be really, really hard, then Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be our quarterback in 2021. And obviously the 49ers hope that he's going to be more healthy than he was in this 2020 season. Matt, I, I thought that Shanahan handled it well. He gave extensive long answers when he didn't need to. He could have been really gruff about it, but he you know, laid it all out. And I, you can't really say that he was lying because he left the door open for any possibility. He said, we're trying to build a football team, so of course anything is possible. But I'm telling you guys that it's really likely that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the quarterback here in 2021. Yeah, and Shanahan's not a liar. He's always been very frank and, and open. And so uh, when, when he says something, he means it. And, and you're right. I mean, he, he left himself enough wiggle room to get out of it. They looked at Tom Brady, for example, in this most recent offseason. So if something presented itself, they would do their due diligence and, and examine it. But that's sort of the biggest question here. What, what's the alternative? I mean, do they have a legitimate alternative to Jimmy Garoppolo? I think there are three things that point to Garoppolo. One is that they've been building this roster, this offense around him. They brought in pass catchers, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, most prominently, who mesh well with what Jimmy Garoppolo does well, which is the short intermediate stuff. They're obviously excellent after the catch, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So Shanahan and Lynch have been building this roster around Garoppolo. Now, another quarterback could come in and, and benefit from those same weapons. I'm not saying that uh, a Matt Stafford or a Matt Ryan or somebody like that couldn't excel with this receiving crew. But the point is that it meshes well with uh, Garoppolo's strengths. The second is that the championship window, and this is 
something um, Shanahan's talked about recently. He still thinks that the championship window is still wide open. So if you brought in another guy, whether it be veteran or rookie, you might have that one-year sort of Shanahan lag that the guy has to learn the offense. And, you know, you don't have that with Garoppolo. He's got to get better. We should note that Shanahan also stressed that in talking to us the other day. And the main thing is that there's just no obvious replacements out there. Rookie is fine. But I don't think you can expect a rookie to come in in year one and lead a team to the Super Bowl. I think that's the biggest thing. I think Kyle Shanahan said that, you know, if you want to move past a quarterback with the numbers that Jimmy Garoppolo has and a Super Bowl appearance, you got to find something as good or better. And I, I just don't know if there's anything good or better out there. Even though Jimmy has been hurt two of the three years he's been here, still when he's in there, he's pretty darn efficient. And, you know, last season kind of showed it. I just think about, go back to that New Orleans game. He shows what, what he can do. I think he's proven himself, but he's got to stay on the field. He's got to get healthy. I don't know how that happens. Uh, what happens on the offseason for a quarterback but I just look at the teams that, that are competitive every season. And it all it all starts with the quarterback, a consistent quarterback. And you can't do it with the quarterbacks that the 49ers have now. One thing I do see is, is that the 49ers kind of going out and looking to the draft for one of these young quarterbacks coming out and watch them develop and see if they can develop better than a Nick Mullins and a C.J. Beathard. So that's the one thing I think is going to happen in the offseason. But I'm going to ride with Jimmy Garoppolo because only because of the numbers. But it is the NFL and, it, and it's all about what have you done for me lately. And Jimmy Garoppolo's been hurt. And, you know, if he comes into the season again and he gets hurt early in the season and he's out for multiple games, then you really have to start taking a look at that position, even though he's in the contract for the next couple of years. But you got to be available in the NFL. You got to be able to play. But when he's in the game, he's pretty darn good. Yeah. I mean, the numbers did not lie in 2019. And you know what other number he had in that year? That was 19. He made 19 starts. He played the whole season. And there weren't too many 49ers that played the entire 2019 season, every single game, plus the postseason all the way to the Super Bowl uh, without missing a single one. And Jimmy Garoppolo was one of them. So despite the fact that he's missed most of 2018 and 2020, he did put together a fully healthy 2019. And the sample, I think, is still small enough to suggest that if you protect the guy, maybe he's not brittle. Maybe he just had terrible luck with an ACL tear and then a high ankle sprain that he obviously came back too early from. This year, the 49ers, you know, they're never going to admit it. But if you read in between the lines, read everything that Jimmy Garoppolo has said, read everything that Kyle Shanahan has said, he came back against the Miami Dolphins in week five and he wasn't 100%. So I don't think it's a surprise that he was really bad in that game, had to come out at halftime and then re-injured that same ankle. Now, I don't blame the 49ers because they had a lot riding on this season, right? I mean, this was a roster that was geared to try to win a Super Bowl. So they had to try to capture that lightning in a bottle and win when they could. That's why Jimmy Garoppolo did come back a little bit sooner. Hey, they got wins against the Rams. They got wins against the Patriots there at the you know first half of the season with Jimmy Garoppolo. But then the House of Cards came crashing down against Seattle in Week 8. They decided that they were going to sit him until he was 100%. The problem is that he's probably not nearing 100% till right about now, which is what they expected, and they weren't able to build the bridge back to him. So I don't think anybody's happy about how this 2020 season went. The people in Garoppolo's camp aren't happy. The 49ers aren't happy. But there's also a realization that you have to look at this realistically. And that's exactly what you guys have been saying. Where are you going to find a better option? The only option, you know, in the free, not in the free agent market, but in the veteran market that I think is financially realistic 
is Matt Stafford from Detroit. The 49ers would actually save a little bit of money if they somehow made a trade with the Lions to get Matt Stafford. And you would assume they would trade Jimmy Garoppolo away if they got Matt Stafford. So the draft capital might even out. They might save a few million dollars. But look at Matt Stafford. His most efficient career year was actually 2019, but he only played eight games. As we speak about Matt Stafford right now, uh, it's just a few days after he hopped off the field on one leg because he had an ankle in- injury of his own. So Matt Stafford at age 32 is now starting to show some health concerns. So if the main reason that you're running Garoppolo out of town is because of health concerns, it wouldn't make much sense to bring in a quarterback who also has health concerns who may or may not be better or more efficient than Garoppolo, especially at this age. I mean, Matt Stafford is 74 and 89 in his career. And we know that Jimmy Garoppolo is 24 and 8 in his career. And, you know, as as much as people want to knock the whole QB win stat, the main function of the quarterback's job is to lead the team into position to win. And I think so far, Jimmy Garoppolo has done that, Matt. Yeah, I forget. How many Super Bowls has Matt Stafford won? Is it four or five? <laughs> I, can't, <laughs> I can't quite remember, but your point is well taken. I mean, um, you know, complaining about your hometown quarterback is like a, a national pastime. And I'm sure Lions fans have complained over the year about Stafford, you know, and it's a good question. Would he be an upgrade? He, he would certainly be an upgrade in arm talent. Yeah. Stafford probably has a top five arm in this league, but he's shown that arm talent alone does not get you to the playoffs, does not win you Super Bowls. I mean, that's been a very, I was going to say mediocre, it's probably less than a mediocre team over the years there in Detroit. As far as Garoppolo, I I asked Shanahan the other day whether this was a a washout season for Garoppolo. Remember, that was a big theme of Shanahan's coming out of the Super Bowl. It's that Garoppolo just took us to the Super Bowl and he has less experience than Baker Mayfield, less starting experience. His point being that with another year, Garoppolo is going to make strides. And so the question became, did he make any strides this season? And correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I thought that his answer was that no, he didn't. I mean, it was just such a, a lost year for him with all these these injuries. And, and he also made a point to, to speak about the offseason and how important an offseason is for him. And the 49ers didn't really have a true offseason, a true spring OTAs and minicamps in, in 2020. And I guess that's a a bit up in the air. I mean, it's going to hinge on this rollout with vaccines and whatnot. But Shanahan was saying uh, he needs to have that in 2021. And he seemed to be, this sort of got pushed aside because it wasn't the main thing that, that Shanahan was saying. But he was obviously sending a message to Garoppolo that, okay, you do need to make strides. This is a, a very important off season for you because 2020 I mean, it's almost as if uh, Garoppolo is, is just now coming off the Super Bowl again. He didn't make, take big steps. He didn't have an opportunity to this past season. So that year of progress that uh, Kyle Shanahan was hoping for from Garoppolo, we didn't really see that materialize this season. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 
Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Jimmy Garoppolo's not a rookie. He's been in the league for a while. And, and it's and, you know when you say his development on the offseason, I mean, he should be at the height of his career. I mean, if I remember right, he was drafted in 2014. I mean, he should pretty much master... I mean, I know it's a different, you know, the offense and, you know, getting the synergy with your receivers, but he should be at the point right now, in my mind, he should be at the top of his his performing level, or at least what he needs to do. I think he's just had some real crappy luck. And, you know, he did get hurt when he was with New England, but it just seems like, you know, he starts off the season, his first or second season fully start and he gets hurt. And then this season he gets hurt. I was excited for the season because like you said, Matt, I mean, they build guys around him, guys who get the ball and they make things happen after they get the ball, short intermediate passes to playmakers and big gash plays. So I was excited and team is kind of built around. All he really has to do is work on his fundamentals, his quarterback one-on-one fundamentals. I think for him, he's got to figure out something with his body, what he, what he takes to get ready for, for a football season. And I, I did some reading on Russell Wilson, and this cat spends millions of dollars on the offseason just getting him, his body ready for you know the pounding as a quarterback in the National Football League. And I know he's had some freak injuries, but that's what his focus needs to be. And, and you know, if he's not at his top of his game as far as a quarterback, you know, it's getting to a time where it's getting a little late for all that. I think he needs to focus on, you know, mind and body right now. And I don't know what, you know, as far as a, a quarterback, but as a defensive lineman, I mean, you had to get yourself ready for just the battle and the bruises of an of a NFL uh, season. You know, get yourself together, acupuncture, a lot of massages, some, you know, you know, things like that. Just get yourself ready for a physical football season. So I hope he's at the top of his game. Especially if you're a quarterback for the for the 49ers, I agree with you, Dennis. You got to get ready for the beating. I think this season, up until like three or four weeks ago, and I don't know what the most recent stat is because I stopped tracking it, but I could look at it again, but they were leading the league and quarterbacks getting hit. Now you could say, oh, well, Nick Mullins was holding on to it too long. CJ Beathard, when he was in, was holding on to it too long. I don't care. If you lead the league and quarterbacks getting hit, that means your offensive line is not doing the best job and every single metric that there is. And it's hard to measure the offensive line independent of the quarterback, but there have been better stats developed over the past few years. And every single one has the 49ers somewhere between number 23 and number 26 pass blocking for the offensive line. And I don't think that's good enough to win a Super Bowl. I don't think it was good enough to win a Super Bowl in 2019. I thought that line caved in on on Jimmy Garoppolo in the fourth quarter when the 49ers absolutely had the pass. And you look at Kansas City, you look at all the top lines in the NFL, all the top offenses, those are all top 10 offensive lines at the worst, top 15. 
So I think the 49ers just need to incrementally improve on that offensive line. I don't think it needs to be anything drastic. I don't think you have to have, um, you know, something like Green Bay's. Green Bay's been the number one offensive line every single year running here. And look at the results. You mix a, you know, Hall of Fame talent, Aaron Rodgers, with the best pass blockers in the league, and he's going to completely light it up. Now, that approach also has a weakness and the 49ers exposed it last year. I think the very best pass rushers, and this will probably make Dennis happy, the very best pass rushers are going to beat the very best offensive line. At least that was the case in 2019. Green Bay comes in. They had stonewalled everybody all season long, except for those two games against the 49ers when Nick Bosa just dominated them and negated that advantage. That's why I think you don't have to invest that heavily in the offensive line, but you got to make them good enough and then the quarterback can take you the rest of the way. And I think that this year, both facets were lacking for the 49ers. Offensive line, obviously, and then the quarterback wasn't on the field enough. The quarterback only was able to throw something like 140 passes. And that leads me to my second point. Jimmy Garoppolo entered this season with 833 career pass attempts. Steve Young entered the 1992 season with only 840 pass attempts. So even though he's been in a league for a while, He's been a backup, and as Dennis said, he's he's been kind of tugged around with bad luck. He hasn't had the best breaks, and the actual amount of game reps, snaps that he's seen, and, and pass attempts that he's made has not been that many. And, and a guy, I'm not saying Jimmy Garoppolo, Steve Young, but he came up under a legend and had to sit for the first part of his career, right? I think that's where Shanahan's coming from on this. It's not possible to accurately gauge how well he's going to, you know, read live bullets and respond to live bullets onto a football field until he gets up and over that 1,000 attempt mark. And the 49ers were hoping that that would happen this year, but they only got 100-plus throws out of Jimmy Garoppolo this year, which is why they're so frustrated that it was a lost season of sorts. And that's why this offseason is so important, Matt. They really hope that he can take that, you know, round the corner, make that turn, and they hope that, you know, stuff like him not seeing the underneath linebacker so often because that interception rate is too high. They hope that starts disappearing as he starts getting more game reps. Yeah, and those scant uh, pass attempts, most of them came when he was injured. I mean, remember, he was injured by halftime in, in week two and really is just now starting to get healthy again. Dennis's point is interesting. I mean, you can't blame any of those injuries on Garoppolo. I mean, a bad step in Kansas City led to that ACL. He was hit as he was planting from behind. It was an illegal hit by Quinton Williams in week two. However, to Dennis's point, this is a guy who, you know, one of four boys in his family, they're all kind of football players, they're all defensive football players. Jimmy Garoppolo was a linebacker until, you know, midway through his high school career. He said that he likes weightlifting. I mean, if he had his druthers, I mean, he would be a bigger guy. And so there's a lot of that going on. He's about 225 pounds. I do wonder whether an offseason that kind of goes in a different direction, you know, more, I don't want to say limber or or light, but something that's not just, you know, your regular uh, weight room routine would, would be good for him. A little bit lighter on his feet, maybe a little bit quicker out of the pocket et cetera, et cetera. But I do think that's something that needs to be asked of him. And maybe we'll talk to him next week as we're coming out of week 17 and the players are going into the offseason and, and ask him that. I mean, he seemed a little defensive about that question last year or maybe it was a year and a half ago when he was coming off the ACL. Like, you know, I'm not really responsible for it. It's just my my tendon snap. But Dennis is right. I mean, you've got to be on the field in order to be worth $25 million. And Frankly, uh, Garoppolo has not been 
available to it out of these last three years. And it, it's got to be tough for Kyle Shanahan. He's got this guy. He's got this this quarterback that is he's got ability. His the ceiling is super high. You, you put guys around him, and then you you don't get a chance to kind of game plan around him. And uh, you know we've said it a million times when he's in the game. You know he plays very well. And, you know, this was the season where, you know, you get two great receivers, young receivers, you have a running game, uh, you got a fullback that can take it to another level in your offense, you get a lot of quick guys on the perimeter and the slot positions. And, you know, this was going to be the year. And then you, your, your franchise guy gets hurt. So it's got to be frustrating. And then you have to go to a backup and then to a backup backup. So it's got to be also frustrating for Kyle Shanahan. And it, if Jimmy Garoppolo can't be available as far as being on the football field, it's going to get to a point where your head coach loses a little confidence in you, where you he can't count on you. And he doesn't know if you're going to be on the football field. And he doesn't know if he can kind of plan an offense around him. And that's what you don't want. I mean, there's a few things as far as an NFL player that you don't want. The number one is you don't want your 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 head coach or position coach, uh, and then you to don't want to be that guy that's hurt every season. So, you know those those are the things that kill you in the NFL. You got to be available, and you have to be have the confidence of your coach or your head coach or your position coach. So, it's something different has to happen. You know, I know the the whole training staff and the equipment people and the medical staff was all fired. They brought someone else in. Didn't really seem to make a difference. This team is beat up for some reason. Could be an offseason program that's, you know, not getting the body ready. But that has, I think that's the big thing. I mean, last season, Super Bowl was great. But even the season before that, it was injuries on top of injuries. Even the Super Bowl year, there was injuries on top of injuries. So I don't know how you fix that. You have the chance of getting hurt as soon as you walk on the football field. But you got to get your body ready at some point. And that, in the offseason, when you get your body ready, for not for a uh, tough season in the NFL. Guys, I, I pulled up the stat and it was so good that while you were talking, I had to tweet it. Uh, this is the most <laughs> quarterback hits allowed this 2020 season by team. Number five is the Seahawks of 58. Number four is the Eagles who have given up like 62 sacks or something crazy with 58 hits. So like almost all the hits that the Eagles have given up have been sacks. Number three is the Falcons with 59 quarterback hits allowed. Number two is the Vikings with 60 quarterback hits allowed. So you got all those teams clumped together. Drum roll, 49ers number one, 73 quarterback hits allowed. They're just blowing everybody else out of the water. Number two is 13 quarterback hits behind them. That's a lot of hits. All those teams that you mentioned – did they lose any of their starting quarterbacks? Uh, the, the, Eagles the Eagles lost did, a lot of yeah. uh, offensive linemen and then a starting quarterback, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, but you know, you're right. And you're absolutely right about Russell Wilson at number five. Russell Wilson has taken a lot of abuse over the course of his career and been able to play through it. I, I 100% agree with that. Um, Kirk Cousins has turned a lot of heads this year, especially in the stat community. I mean, his efficiency, even on a bad team, has stayed really good. And there's always, you know, People have talked bad about Kirk Cousins over the years, but he has absorbed a lot of crap this year. The Vikings have not blocked well for him, and he's still he's not the weak link of that team. There's a lot of other stuff going wrong in, in Minnesota this season. So they're number two on the hits, and he's hung in there. So I think the point about Garoppolo is well taken. I think that the 49ers, we can't expect them 
based on how Shanahan is building this team to be a juggernaut in pass protection. What I'm advocating for is they need to be better. They need to be a little bit better. But because they won't be a Packers-level juggernaut based on the way that they're building the line, I mean, for example, Kyle Shanahan doubled down on Mike McGlinchey. He's close to saying that Mike McGlinchey is the right tackle of the future. Well, Mike McGlinchey is a guy who's going to give you a 90-plus run blocking grade, but that pass blocking grade can get really bad. And that means the quarterback is probably going to take a hit or two from right tackle. And because of that, yes, Garoppolo is going to have to show a little bit of Russell Wilson in him. He's going to have to absorb some of these hits, survive some of these hits over the course of the season, but it still can't hurt, right? To get that offensive line a little bit better. So your quarterbacks aren't taking 73 hits through 15 games. This is way, way, way too many to be a sustainable formula. And that's, you know, I think probably the main reason why the 49ers have gone through three starting quarterbacks so far this year. And we talk about that line, Matt, I think the center quarterback communication in this offense especially is so important. That's why we've seen Kyle Shanahan now already go out and pay twice for high price centers. First, Alex Mack. Uh, you know, in both Cleveland and Atlanta, he had Alex Mack. All pro was considered the best center in the game for a while there. And then he went out and paid for Weston Richburg, who with the New York Giants was one of the best pass protecting centers in the league. I, I think that given the fact that Shanahan is really adamant about Mike McGlinchey being part of the future at right tackle because he just wants that run blocking there, I think that leaves center as the spot where the 49ers absolutely have to get it right from a pass blocking perspective. Because if that center is able to do everything, it makes everybody better. And if that right guard is adequate, and I think the 49ers want Brunskill there, that helps McGlinchey be better. So this offseason, if we're talking about Jimmy Garoppolo having a better supporting cast, the 49ers need to figure out center and right guard. And I don't know where that starts. Do they sign Alex Mack, who's a free agent? Do they draft somebody? I'm not sure. I do know that Alex Mack is getting up there in age, though. Yeah, I'm not sure his uh, his games are what they've been in the past this season. Atlanta's offensive line has, has struggled a bit as well. So Alex Mack is obviously on the downside of his career. Like quarterback, I don't know what, what the obvious answer is there. I mean, I think the 49ers are trying to minimize their to-do list as, as much as they can. That's one reason to throw your support behind Mike McGlinchey. I mean, they can't entertain moving on from him. They've got too many other things to do and too limited resources. We should take this opportunity to, to segue to the fact that they'll be without their left tackle, protecting C.J. Beathard's blind spot Sunday against the Seahawks. Trent Williams uh, has a an, an elbow ligament injury. I think it's one that uh, he's played with for most of the season and uh, it, it got too bad for him to play on Sunday. So that means that Justin School is probably going to start at left tackle. And, uh, you know, that just makes that already rickety pass protection even more so. J- Justin School did not play well when he, when he came in earlier this season. He had an up and down rookie uh, year last year. The 49ers were sort of able to, to mask him, but I think that's going to be something that C.J. Beathard's going to have to deal with, probably is going to struggle with at times on, on Sunday. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on National and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I was just kind of thinking back to what game it was where school just got schooled playing tackle there and just got... That was the Green Bay game. Oh, my goodness. So, hey, we might see... We're going to look at Josh Rosen. 
We might we might see well, well CJ CJ's tough I forget CJ's tough so he's he's a guy that can take a hit but I'm interested you know in seeing what Josh uh, Rosen has to bring to the table I mean this is this is still a kid that was drafted tenth overall so he's got to have some kind of talent I'm I'm looking forward to that but yeah this offensive line I mean. You know, McKivitz is there. I don't I don't know if he's going to go this week. I don't know if he's on IR, but, you know, as far as that guard position goes, that left guard, I mean, he's a guy that, you know, at least in college, he was a mauler in college. I mean, he was a beast. He, he was driving linebackers and linemen 10 yards off the, off the football field. So I think he's a guy that they're hoping that can, that can have a good offseason in, in a year or two and jump into that guard position. And But this offensive line is just – Again, I think it's just been three or four years where it's always kind of been, you know, who's going to play where, who's going to be what. As far as McGlinchey goes, I think, you know, he's a, he's a good pass. The numbers show he's a run blocker. I think his pass, his technique, when I watch him, you know, get beat, you know, he, he's bull rushed or he's a quick arm over. That's all about technique. And he needs to kind of go back and, and kind of reevaluate his technique because he was a decent as a rookie. He played really, really well as far as the pass. And I think his technique has just gotten a little sloppy and he just needs to work on that technique. I know everyone talks about the weight, but I don't think it's the weight. I think he needs to just kind of work on his technique a little bit, get himself back, not short set, get that kick step out there and make some of these defense on defensive ends. I mean, they're just basically outside linebackers, but He's got to work on his hand placements uh, and keeping his butt down a little bit. It's all about technique. I don't think he'll be going anywhere. I think the people have been talking about him moving down to guard. I think he'll be the tackle next season. I just think that that guard position, you know, guards, there's plenty of guards. Uh, guards are a dime a dozen now. It's like defensive linemen. There's tons of them. You just got to find the right one. And as far as Kyle Shanahan goes, you got to find that athletic one that can kind of plug in there and learn the system uh, and learn how to block these stretch plays and all these different intricates as far as the Kyle Shanahan offense goes. But I'm looking forward to seeing what McKivitz kind of does uh, in his year two. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, anytime that people criticize McGlinchey and the 49ers offensive line, they need to be fair about it. And they need to also acknowledge what this line has done when everything is clicking. And what that is, is a 30 to nothing lead in the NFC championship game against the Green Bay Packers. I mean, they totally dominated the NFC playoffs, right? Over the Vikings and then the Packers. They stonewalled Seattle in week 17. That, for all intents and purposes, was a playoff game as well. So, you know, you can't just go out and say, oh, this line is terrible. They should make a bunch of changes. It's excellent at some things and it's bad at some things. And the key is to accentuate the things that it's excellent at and to avoid the things that it's bad at. And when the 49ers in this offensive line were at their best, just completely dominating the Packers, they were really good, right? They were really, really good. And that's what Kyle Shanahan sees. And that's what Kyle Shanahan wants to maintain. Because guess what? This league right now is designed to stop the pass. It's designed to stop the standard, you know, pass protect, throw the ball downfield kind of teams. I think Kyle Shanahan's trying to zag when everybody else is trying to zig. And it punched the 49ers a ticket to the Super Bowl in 2019. And almost fairly nearly won the 49ers the Super Bowl. There was a great article in The Athletic about the Rams and their defense and about how they love to play two high safeties all the time because, you know, a lot of teams had started to bring a safety down to the box to, to close all the running gaps. I think there's a reason why the 49ers moved the ball against the Rams and beat the Rams twice this year despite missing a ton of guys is because they're built to exploit that with their outside zone rushing game, right? And I think they want to continue doing that. So that's why I expect Mike McGlinchey to stay at right tackle and, you know, as Dennis said, there's probably some technique things he could do to improve as a pass blocker. But overall, I think the key is for the 49ers to play their game, to make sure 
that McGlinchey is doing more run blocking and play action pass blocking than straight anchor protecting. And a lot of that comes back to the quarterback. The quarterback has to make the throws when the throws are there. Quarterback has to release the ball when the release needs to be made. And Garoppolo did that so well in 2019. He complimented the 49ers offensive line. And that's what Garoppolo didn't do quite as well hurt in 2020. And what Nick Mullins did not do well at all here in 2020 because he couldn't complement the line if he's turning the ball over, right? So uh, I think the pieces are there, maybe not at center and right guard. That's obviously where the priority should be. But we can see what the vision is. The vision has already had a lot of success for the 49ers. And it makes sense that Kyle Shanahan doesn't just want to completely abandon it. Yeah, what you're talking about is NFL evolution when you're talking about zigging and zagging. I mean, it's about adaptation and, and doing something that your opponent isn't prepared for. And those to what Dennis just said about you know, defensive ends being basically outside linebackers these days. I was stunned uh, a year and a half ago when, when D Ford came in and said that he had been playing his position at what? Something like 44 pounds and he was playing defensive end. I mean, that, that used to be what a light inside linebacker, Wade, right, Dennis? Yeah, um, yeah. So, I mean, that's how you can exploit teams on the ground. And the 49ers, uh, when when they were rolling, do that. I looked it up today. The 49ers were one of three teams last year that ran the ball more than they passed the ball. The other two were Minnesota and Baltimore. This year, they don't have that ratio because they've, they've fallen behind. And there's still only three teams. And those teams are Tennessee, Baltimore, and New England uh, is the third. But, you know, two of those three teams are playoffs teams, just like was the case last year. So it's a it's a good formula. It's good to be uh, zigging when the rest of the league is zagging because obviously they're not prepared to stop you. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, the, the 49ers didn't have enough zig or zag this season. <laughs> we look back at the season and you know, it's not an excuse. It's just kind of an explanation. It's just it was a bad season. It was a bad luck season. And I think it started in week in week two and guys just start dropping and it didn't stop. You know, even down to last week, you know, guys are still dropping for some reason. It was a tough season to to kind of sit and talk, you know, twice a week, even on this podcast about the 49ers. But uh, it is what it is. And that's what the that's what the league is about. You, know, you look at other teams that kind of overcome the challenges and the 49ers just they tried to fight. They tried to fight. Saw a lot of bright spots, I think, this season, too, especially in the. Young guys in the defensive line, Hyder Jr. I mean, we saw him kind of explode there. We saw, you know, Akello Witherspoon kind of turn his whole career around and play better the last couple of weeks. A Jason Verrett, who just kind of came out of nowhere after a couple of years of, of being injured. And we saw some young guys, you know, Brandon Ayuk and uh, Javon Kinlaw just play well. So, you know, the tunnel's still long, I think, for the 49ers because the offseason's coming up. But there, there's a little bit of a light at the end because you can see some of the talent on this roster. Well, we'll get to see one last look at the talent. Week 17, Seattle coming to the 49ers makeshift home in Arizona. Kyle Shanahan has a goal for the 49ers. He wants them to win this game so that they can leave this season saying they had the best record, intra-division record, out of all the NFC West teams. Because if the 49ers win, they'll be 4-2 and two against the NFC West, while the rest of the division, nobody will be better than 3-3. Three and three. So I guess at this point, it's a noble goal. The problem is... If you're the 49ers, you're already without all the guys that we've, you know, obviously been talking about. But, you know, Matt mentioned that Trent Williams is going to be out too. The Seahawks pass rush is way better ever since 
Uh, they got Carlos Dunlap, and it really appears they've made some schematic changes, really started firing off the ball better around midseason, right around when they played the 49ers, actually, in week eight, and they had DJ Reed blitzing all the time. <laughs> DJ Reed and, and Bobby Wagner blitzing all the time. That really uh, seemed to turn Seattle's season around defensively. So the matchup isn't good for the 49ers. That being said, I, I didn't think the matchup was great for the 49ers against the Cardinals last week just because of where the 49ers were were shorthanded. The problem now, though, guys, is that Seattle, this is a team that really, I think, has its head on straight because Russell Wilson's the quarterback, a guy who I trust a lot more than, than Kyler Murray. I also trust Pete Carroll a lot more than Cliff Kingsbury, and Seattle is playing for a lot. The other two games that will determine the number one seed will be happening simultaneously on Sunday at 1.25 p.m., which means that Seattle has to be locked in on this one against the 49ers. And that one seed is so important this year because it's the only seed that gives you a buy in the playoffs. So in effect, this is a playoff game for Seattle. They have to treat it that way because if they win and then the, the Packers lose and the Saints lose, they effectively get a playoff win, right? And I think that puts the 49ers in trouble. I think that's why they won't win without guys like Trent Williams this week. So my prediction is the Seahawks score 27 in this game. And the 49ers are going to be spirited. They're going to fight to the death, but they're going to fall short at 24, 27-24 Seahawks. Yeah, I mean, if Robert Sala can pull off a, a, against Russell Wilson and the, and the Seahawks, what he did against Kyler Murray and the, and the Cardinals, he deserves any job uh, you know, in, in the NFL because uh, it's going to be more difficult. Obviously, Wilson has seen it all. You're not going to be able to fool him with glitzes and things that they were doing to really um, put a cap on Murray the other day. So, I expect uh, Wilson to be his usual self. And like I said, that left tackle situation, I think, is going to be problematic for the 49ers. I think Pete Carroll is going to know exactly what the game plan is. Just run Jeff Wilson as much as uh, the 49ers can, and uh, they ought to be prepared for it. So I also have the Seahawks scoring 27. I have the 49ers scoring 20. 27-20 Seattle Seahawks. You just kind of brought it to reality. This is a playoff game for the Seahawks and you know Russell Wilson's going to be on his game and you know when he's clicking it's hard. His connection with his receivers just unbelievable. You know, and Carlos Hyde, I think Carlos might be out for the game, but still he's going to be out there and you know it's going to feel a little bit and DK Metcalf, the guy is a beast. I just don't see that secondary's played well. I just don't see that secondary having an answer for DK. And then on defense, Jamal Adams. I mean, if you watch this kid play, I, I don't know what, what he's on, but he takes over a football game. And not having Trent Williams out there, CJ Beathard, you, you better watch out because you're going to take some shots there. So... I've got the Seahawks winning 31-17. All right, and that will mercifully bring this 2020 season to a close for the 49ers. If our prediction holds, it'll be a 6-10 and 10 year, which is crazy to think about considering there's nothing has negated how strong this roster was. I mean, but just how it just got depleted this year. And the fact that the 49ers would finish six and 10 the year after they finished 13 and three with more or less the same roster. I mean, you lose the Forrest Buckner, but you got a decent year from Kinlaw in his place and you lost Emmanuel Sanders, but I think you got more production from Brandon Ayuk in his place. So it, it's amazing how far the 49ers fell this year. But when you look to see where the injuries happen. It makes a whole lot of sense. Crazy year. All that does is sets up a crazy offseason. So the next time that we talk to you all, it will be 
the offseason because the 49ers will be finished. We'll talk to you after the 49ers play the Seahawks in week 17 on Sunday. And then after that, it's going to be the craziest offseason in quite some time, in my opinion. So I'm really looking forward to it. Anyway, for Dennis Brown and for Matt Barrows, this is David Lombardi. We'll talk to you next time on the Here's the Catch podcast. 